Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. It's Wednesday, September 2nd. Wow, it's September already? Oh my what? goodness. Okay. Yeah, it came quick. Our, uh, yeah. Our buddy Britton Johnson is on the show with us today. Britton, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Mr. Bewley. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, give, a, give a little 15-second commercial about yourself to the people. What do you do? Uh, I work for VMware. I'm, uh, they changed our titles now, so I'm no longer an NSX SE. No, I'm a networking security and automation SE, but we're not allowed to say we work for the NSA. That's right. No, that would be, that'd be wrong. That's hilarious. <laughs> I do like that they threw security and automation in there. Yeah. But yeah, but on the side, I'm a, I'm a, I'm now a multi-hatted podcaster. So I run the GigaCast with my good friend Tony Reeves, and I just started a new podcast called the VMware HCX Majors Podcast. So all right, check that out. Very cool. Nice. That's awesome. Busy on the mic. Yeah. Good times. Let's get straight into the show. Does anyone have anything crazy? I do have something crazy, and it's kind of fun. why don't we start it off there? I, I just saw a headline this morning. It said an airline pilot landing at LAX reports a guy in a jet pack flying along yep. next to them. <laughs> That's freaking too. cool. <laughs> sorry, guy. I mean, <laughs> sorry, airplane. Never mind. I was trying to pretend it was me, but my brain doesn't work yet this morning. <laughs> you need more coffee. It, it <laughs> yes. does seem like something that Bewley would do if he had access to a Yes, yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah, so it was an American Airlines uh, pilot, and it's uh, they actually have the back and forth in the article I read on the drive, and it said American Airline, American Flight 1997 Tower, American 1997. We just passed a guy in a jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. I have lots of questions now. Was the guy in the way? Was he no. in airfield space? Was he? How high was it up? I mean, it couldn't have been that high. Yeah, it, so it had to have been during the landing sequence or something. It uh, let's see, use caution, percentage just pass. Uh, it's about three thousand feet off the ground. Uh, what? Near ten mile final. Um, okay. Yeah, and that's pretty yeah, high. At about really, just three thousand feet. Yeah, that that doesn't Dude. seem right. Yeah, jetpacks. So that's some science <laughs> stuff that we haven't. That I, like, I don't know about y'all, but I haven't seen that yet. So was this yeah, was this really real? Was this really real, I wonder? Because a while back, there was this thing circulating around on YouTube of some guy in the UAE riding one of those, like, Spider-Man villain wing jet things on his feet. And I don't know how real real that was either. Yeah, so so apparently, and this is neat, uh, because I'm I'm actually kind of going through this in real time. Um, There are a number of new jetpack designs, and I I feel like we're going to have to just dig into this on another show, uh, because I'm unprepared to get into all of the bits. But... um, there are uh, some very high-profile ones that that are saying they might actually be capable of it. Um, there's one in particular, uh, Jetman, Yves uh, Jetman Rossi's winged jetpack is capable of such a feat. So, so there are some capabilities, um, and they're they're winged jetpacks that actually have a looks like a couple of jet engines that are off to the side. Um, so they are like tiny little wearable airplanes, basically. Um, and in the way that it states is apparently someone has a system that's uh, capable um, or similarly capable uh, or and or they couldn't identify it as being that specific uh, jetpack. But um, that's pretty that's cool. Wild. Yeah, that's wild. And it was moving fast, too. Is it, does that say in? Uh, it doesn't actually say what they thought the airspeed velocity was. It, it just mentions that it's capable of moving. They were probably just trying to comprehend the fact that 3,000 feet in the air, they saw a human floating. That was yeah. probably their, yeah. their biggest concern <laughs> yeah. at that moment. That's I mean that's high. That's that's something unique. Well, yeah, oh, for sure. Seen, it's or, close to the ground. It's or it's one of those like feet off the ground. Yeah, or it's one of those like wingsuit things from like the last Fast and the Furious film. <laughs> <laughs> it, maybe they were filming. It was it was in L.A. It could have been for a Fast and the Furious film. <laughs> All right, that's cool. What else? What else we got? What are we moving to? Okay, so here here's my my story. I teased to you guys. So there was. A story done out in, I think it was in California, of a business who has sold a series of robot face mask enforcers and effectively... You will comply. Yeah. The, uh, this, the, these things are from uh, a sub-company called Rad, 
um, wrote the robot robotic yeah. assistance devices. And the, the claim is that because, you know, of all of these conflicts that are happening in retail establishments where people are walking in without face masks because of COVID-19, of course, they, you know, pe- people are putting up a stink against, you know, people, the, the, the human enforcer in the store and they're, you know, you see all this stuff on YouTube. So now they're actually finding that the stores who have these robots where the robot says it, it scans the person's face when they walk in the store and it tells them you need to wear a mask. And, and you know hooks them up with a mask somehow or another. They say that the compliance. They say the compliance. <laughs> Hold on, time out. Yeah, they say <laughs> the compliance. With a mask some way or another. Yeah, I, don't know. I just got I mean, a just violent sitting. image of the robot know. grabbing the back of his head <laughs> and slamming a mask. Basically, yeah. Basically, it's, it's it, the, the compliance level. They say goes way up because people who are confronted by the robot don't know what to do, so they just comply. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I can't They don't, don't want to get angry and, and challenge the robot like they would a normal yeah. store worker. They, they just well, comply. Screw you, robot! How do you, we're, machine, right? Clearly, we're in the final stages of the simulation here. This yeah. is, so this is, this is a, story, a story from KNBC-TV. That's awesome. If, if you I, I, look that, it up. I mean, that really does crack me up, though, because what do you do? You can't yell at them. You can't yeah. roll your eyes. The robot's just going to be like, comply, 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 comply. And then you're just going to do it. <laughs> and and then it. and then when this is all over, it won't be about masks anymore. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> so you got to kick it in the chest and say, this is Sparta. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. Awesome. Uh, Walmart yesterday... <clears throat> They officially unveiled a new membership service. It's basically like Amazon Prime, right? Where you can pay, what was it, $98 a year or something. And you get unlimited same-day delivery on groceries, thousands of other items, all that kind of fun stuff. So there you go. They just started a 15-day free trial if you want, which is hardly anything. So I I hate it and I love it at the same time. That's my reaction to that. Uh, I I love it because we actually do a lot of Walmart shopping, especially in the the current sort of pandemic state because their um, pickup is just, it's ahead of most Mm -hmm. um, other uh, grocery retailers. Um, The quality of uh, Walmart groceries, I think, has gone up over the years too. That was always one of the reasons that we didn't predominantly shop there was, you know, meat and, and produce. I don't feel was up to par, but they've, I think they bridged that gap quite a bit. Um, and I hate it because it's probably going to be worth paying for, um, for same day delivery on groceries. Uh, that, that is actually attractive enough for a hundred bucks a year that, that I might seriously consider it. Um, slash, I won't have a say in it at all. And my wife will consider it (laughs) with, without my input. Um, and, uh, and, and it is not, in my opinion, worth dropping prime because of how extensively I use Amazon for other things. Other and things. That's honestly what... just gotten, they, they did it right by sucking me into their ecosystem because it started as delivery and ended with prime video and the Fire TV ecosystem and Amazon Music and all these other things that are, you know, sort of secondary to it. But like, I'm, I'm there. This is, this is why you hit, this is you why hit it on I the head. It. That's exactly where I was going to go. So does Walmart come out with a streaming music service next? They almost certainly will because they know <laughs> that it works. And, and the other thing, and this is cool because it makes for a decent segue. Um, I want other people's opinions here. But Amazon opened its first online only Whole Foods location. Um, which is just to meet the ever-growing demand for grocery delivery. So I think Walmart, they've always known Prime was a threat. Uh, I, it's come up a lot and they've tried yeah. to do things and they they try to like hit Prime Day and stuff like that and do their own sort of running sale, but they, they just can't keep up, I don't think, because they're not getting revenue from a standing subscription. But um, I, I think those two giants uh, are, are really going to be going at it, which hopefully results in some goodness for consumers. That's what I think is actually the biggest thing here. I've, so I've actually started uh, buying a few things at Walmart here and there that I would have normally bought from Amazon because they've had, I think, free two-day for a little while. Mm-hmm. And it was more so from the standpoint of I'm just glad to see someone who 
who can compete with Amazon is, is, yeah. is starting to do it in the digital realm. And it's taken them a while, but I think there's a lot of interesting things here. And one of them is I, I spoke with someone, this was a while ago, maybe a year or two ago, where I felt like, you know, Walmart really has a huge advantage in the last mile, right? Yes. As, as it relates to the delivery side of things. And I felt like they needed to take advantage of that. And I feel like this is exactly that. This is one area where Amazon will not overnight be able to do the same thing that Walmart can do. And that's a distinct yeah. advantage I think will be very big. And I'm just glad to see that, you know, I think it will help give some of those third-party sellers a little bit more leverage in the fact that they can actually go to Walmart as well. But it will be, you know, incumbent on more people being willing to use Walmart. And I will say this, like, my, my wife does not like Walmart. So she's, she doesn't ever want to go in one. Same. But I explained to her, I'm like, listen, you don't ever have to go in. You don't have to. <laughs> but you can use the app. And it, it, it works very similar to Amazon. I mean, they've, they've done a good job with it. And so I'm, I'm very excited about this in general, just because I feel like Amazon needs someone else yes. in the market that can compete I totally agree. Level. I do. It's I called totally Walmart. Agree. It's called Walmart Plus, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that right out of the gate. And then in related news, Amazon just won FAA approval to deliver packages by drone. Yes! All right, back to Amazon. Where? <laughs> what is what the fine where? for sure? The sky <laughs> between all the jetpack men. Like everywhere? That's right. Wait, maybe it's by jetpack man. They just qualify as drones. Uh, no, it just says... So, I mean, it's like filing for a patent, right? So when they reach out to the FAA for approval, all that kind of stuff, it just says the FAA said Monday it had granted Amazon approval to deliver packages by drones. Yeah. It's, it's an important I, step, right? The... the, the go through the... The the, curm the curmudgeon in me is is about, about ready to go full Ron Swanson on some of this technology stuff. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if you heard what we were talking about with Amazon's Halo on when was that Monday, Russ? Friday, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I just no, listened Friday to it last night. Yeah, Friday, it's Friday. Yeah, yeah, it was Monday. Um, yeah, well, I'm curious what you think about that. It's it's it, you're, you're probably right. It's, it is part of a bridge too far of you know giving your buffle yeah. body scan to this entity that's you know you're just supposed to trust. That they're not going to do other weird stuff with it, but but yeah, at the same time, like you all the time. I just have a problem with someone else picking out my produce because, like, if I'm going to the grocery store, I want to, you know, I want specific stuff. You know, I don't want yeah. somebody to just grab a random head of lettuce that's already half rotted and they're not paying attention to what they're doing. You know, you know what, so and Tyler had a good point on that. Walmart it, has, it has gotten, gotten a lot better, a lot better at that, yeah. and and that one specifically. Not not only did they get better at it, like just more consistently you get higher quality stuff that someone else picks out for you. But if, if it looks at you wrong, they'll refund it. Yeah. Well, and I, uh, part of me too, like, I just like, you know, like, especially right now, I like getting out of the house and going and doing something. <laughs> Walmart's not on my short list. The, so the grocery I, I store is there. the most exciting thing <laughs> but, I've done this week. Like, yeah. Like I was listening, I was catching up on, on your guys' podcast last night while grocery shopping at the Kroger. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, here's the thing, man. If you want to get out, more and more of this like day-to-day -day stuff is getting automated. I, I genuinely yeah. think like I kind of sat down with this realization the other day and I cannot remember the last time I've been on a lake, like on a boat or jet ski or something like that, went and done something fun. And rather than do that, rather than spend time mowing my yard or going grocery shopping or whatever, you automate and, and you know... um cash anymore that coffee but go and spend your time doing that right or sit and read a book yeah. or go ride a bike i mean in, invest in new leisure uh hobbies and activities and stuff like that so so to that end we're, we just bought a house in indiana here so i'm gonna move again this year and oh my goodness it's so part of when we're living in a rental right now so part of my plan for this new house it has like a decent sized backyard this flat and all grass i'm going to buy one of these robot lawnmowers <laughs> and just go. Just let just set it and forget it and just let it go. So Man, uh -oh. I looked at that, but I, the place I'm moving has a big old plot of land, and uh, it just doesn't look like they're there yet on a, on a, on a space that big. So yeah, uh, you'd have to go with one of the industrial units with from like Husqvarna. Yeah, which I'm like, totally not going to do. Well, yeah, because they're like five thousand dollars. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. No, that's that's nuts. So, hey, the, the other thing I wanted to follow up with you guys, and you did a story a while back on a uh, American Sign Language interpreting app. 
Oh yeah. Do you oh, remember yeah. this? Yeah, there was like gloves. Yeah, you, there yeah. were gloves you could wear. Yeah. So trend, yeah. So my my youngest daughter is deaf and she uses bilateral cochlear implants. And so we grew wow. up as she's from from birth. We were like we started using sign language in the home. And my wife is conversationally fluent. Um, it's become a big deal in our family. Awesome. And, and like I don't, I haven't found this the app you guys were talking about specifically yet, but it seems like might not be as helpful as someone who's not part of the deaf community would think it is because like sign language is one of these languages that it's just not it's first of all it's not english and so the the sentence structure the way it's just put together it's they say it's actually more akin to chinese than it is english because the way the the way the grammatical structure works it it just you know like it's it's extraordinarily hard for me to, to pick it up because it's, it's, it's almost like an art form in the way you have to make the signs and put them in the order together. And it's so, so my technical left brain can't come up with a creative way to, to restructure an English sentence into ASL. So it's, it's, oh, it's really difficult. Um, so the one thing that I wanted to share is if this, there's a, a, a mobile app that if you have a, a deaf person or even a hard of hearing person that you interact with on a regular basis, this actually might be helpful. It's an, an app called Ava. The website is ava.me, and effectively what it is is if you're at a party and you have somebody who's hard of hearing and they can't keep up, because that's the big thing, like a kid, my my daughter with cochlear implants, if we're in a loud restaurant, the implants are really effectively going to do nothing for her. She can't pick up, because she gets all the sound. And so like, she's not, you know, we're going to be muffled out by everything else, just sitting at a table in a restaurant. So what this app from Ava does is everybody who subscribes to it, you sit your mobile phone in front of you. And then the person who needs it basically gets a running play-by-play automatic text readout of what each person is saying. That's so, so it's, cool. it's kind of like automated captioning in real time. Yeah. I'm looking and at so, the video of it now. It looks incredible. Yeah, that's wild. And so the, so the person so the person who's hard of hearing, or even just me, because I can't hear things at a restaurant sometimes, you know, can actually keep up with the conversation from multiple parties all at once. So like that that is way more I think helpful than than some you know, external technology piece that's going to attempt to interpret actual signs because it's just really difficult to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I I've, I felt like the the other thing we talked about was maybe a little bit gimmicky. Right. Uh, this is yeah. wild. This is pretty cool. And then if you're uninterested in their conversation, you, you're already looking at your phone anyway. And they're okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, and and that and that's sort of the thing that we've been trying to avoid with our daughter. The whole thing is like, she it's it's it'd be very very easy for a person in her her you know with her you know disability, which I hate to use that word because really she's just fine. She just can't you know hear like everybody else. Alternative um, abilities. Yeah, and and like like, but my my wife is just constantly jealous of her because yeah, if she if she wants to, she can just take them off and not have to deal with noise. <laughs> Bye. So, <laughs> so and, and and I know I know this is gonna bite me when she's a teenager. I just know it. Oh, yeah. You know, she's just gonna be like, "What? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, Dad." You know, that's gonna happen a lot. But yeah. that's interesting her. what you shared about <laughs> ASL. Yeah, and the art of it, right? But if you think about it too, and, and it's cool—that's cool fact on it being much more like Chinese and the sentence structure and all that kind of stuff. Language is an art in itself, right? Right. And I mean, I'm admittedly, I would say, pretty low on the capability in terms of finding and using the right words that I want to use. Right? If we yeah. need somebody that really masters the language, it's incredible. The the other thing I wanted to bring out too is like we have this uh, little Bluetooth microphone that, that we can wear that gives us a direct connection to her implants. And that thing is, I swear, it's something we need to figure out how to mass market it and recreate it for all children and all parents. Because like I was at a birthday party with the, with the kids and she was like climbing up this big blow up gym thing. This was like last year. And so instead of me being the parent on the ground, shouting instructions at the kid, I can basically just stand there on the ground, talk in a normal voice, and she can hear me from 30 feet away. Whoa. That's, that's like secret awesome. Yeah. It's uh, like secret service communication or like spy movie. It's awesome <laughs> like, because like, because we can be like at the playground and we should be on the other side of the playground and she's, you know, like doing a really good job, you know, of climbing on the monkey bars or something. And I can just tell her like, Hey, good job. And she'll be like, thanks dad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so it's awesome. like, so, and I've, and I've been to so many places with kids that like, yeah, all you ever see anymore is just people shouting at their kids. 
And if we had this way to like people just calm down, maybe people wouldn't be yelling at their kids so much. <laughs> it's probably well, I think, true. I, I think what'll happen, Britain, is we'll probably skip that stage and we'll all go straight to chips in the brains. Yes. And then we'll just have see and communications where you think and then yeah, they can hear it. And and this is also where I'm not that impressed with with the Neuralink, quite frankly. Ooh. The the Neuralink yes. I, I feel like the Neuralink deal that, that Elon has come up with, it might maybe it has some usage for, you know, fix filling in the gaps of, you know, bodily functions that stuff like Alzheimer's takes away. That might be a thing. But the 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 cochlear implants that my daughter has in her head, those things are freaking miracles. I yeah. mean, and it's it's a controversial th- subject as well because the Especially deaf community in that community, yeah, the deaf community for a long time and forever has kind of seen them as like we don't need this. It's you know, there's nothing wrong with us. They're, you know, yeah. the, it's it's a it's a very controversial topic. But it, but at the same time, you know what the what those things can do for reproducing sound, and it keeps getting better with every generation. Um, I mean, it's it, it's probably not that far off from what Elon's doing with Neuralink. And quite frankly, I feel like, you know, I, I guess I, I haven't so, really seen a good use case for what he's trying to do yet. So dive into this more for me. Tell me why it's controversial in the deaf community, the so, plants. And then... So, <laughs> What? Well, let's get let's get through that first. Okay, so the 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 basically the, the deaf community they are a community, and I, I don't want to you know offend anybody because it's their you know this is public and whatever. But they they they're very tight knit close community, and so they stay kind of in an island unto themselves, not necessarily on purpose, but just because for forever they've been used to kind of just being pushed aside and ignored by society. That is just sort of an unfortunate fact that because people don't want to go through the effort of learning their language and no understanding how to communicate with them, they just kind of like, all right, well, if you're not going to talk to me, they just go talk to people that they can communicate with. So it's not unlike, you know, going to a foreign country and, you know, we, we Americans roll up in, in Germany and expect everybody to talk English at us. Well, that's just not how it works. You know, like you know, like when we when we did a trip to Europe, I got a lot more appreciation from the locals when I tried to speak their language. It's the same thing with it's the same thing with the deaf community. They just want people to try and learn a little bit, and they'll help you the rest of the way if you need if need be. And so it's it's one of these things of you know the with implants themselves. You know, like I said before, they they don't really view themselves as having a problem just because they can't hear well or hear at so all. They're saying, why, why do I yeah. have to install this apparatus to help right. you? Why, yeah, exactly. Why do I have to conform to general society just because, you know, you want me to more or less? Yeah, so my, my wife is a speech language pathologist and she actually took a, uh, a, a course in her master's program for ASL, uh, American Sign Language. And um, her professor was a member of the deaf community and they touched a lot on that sort of, um, I guess the the societal, philosophical and community driven sort of approaches. And she, she always had such interesting stories coming back and hearing about it. Um, and of course it, it was designed as part of the speech pathology courseware so yeah they they talked about all of it right whether you're having cochlear implants or suggesting them right because speech pathology is usually part of that process right um but then then also you know not doing it and sort of the backlash because uh i mean they talked a lot about um sometimes people being ostracized from the deaf community because they had implants too, which is, it, it seems kind of absurd, but they're, they're really interesting. Topics. Yeah. And, and, and that, that, that's getting slightly better. I mean, more and more people are getting used to it. I mean, we've, we, we've known, you know, a lot, we've, we've been like wholly welcomed into the deaf community just because we've, that's again, great. because we tried to we learn sign language. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, we have a debt we had, when we were in Wisconsin, we had a deaf mentor who would come over to our house and so this, you know, deaf lady would basically come and teach my daughter sign language and my wife. And I mean, my, my wife always referred to her as our deaf Mary Poppins. So, I mean, it was just a lot of fun to just kind of have this, like all of a sudden this whole new world gets opened up to you because, you know, you have this kid that just shows up one day. So yeah, it was, it was yeah. good. It's cool. That's great. What a neat story. And and I, this stuff is so interesting to me too because I I am I am excited about where that technology is going. My grandmother um who passed away a few years ago now. Um she was so hard of hearing at the end of her life. Um 
And unfortunately for her, she had macular degeneration in both eyes and detached retinas. And oh, man. She was effectively blind as well, not her whole life, but just at the end. So it, things like going out to restaurants um, just became completely isolating for her because it was the dim lights means she couldn't really see anyone. And she was very adept at lip reading despite having yep. such yep. low visibility, um, but she couldn't hear. And she couldn't she couldn't lip read in that situation. So anything that kind of moves that forward is uh, is a is a huge boon, I think. So yeah, and it's just an incredibly interesting perspective. I would have, you know, I guess living in my own bubble, um, would have thought these types of things would have been something that the deaf community would clamor for. Uh, and that's just my own ignorance of not not understanding that that perspective so thank you for sharing that yeah no i mean it's 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 one of these weird scenarios in life where like yeah you, you when you get outside of your own bubble you're just like you know because me especially me as a technology person like yeah i solve problems for a living and just just to kind of be connected to a group of people who you know the world views as quote having a problem but being okay with it it's like it's 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 a very like it, it does. It kind of sh- shocks you the system and, and gives you this other view of like, oh, you know, maybe not everything needs to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually, I love the perspective. I think it's, it's definitely good food for thought. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's neat. This was awesome. I've learned a lot. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and in a uh, somewhat related thing, uh, new electronic skin can react to pain like human skin. I don't know if y'all saw this. I was just about to bring up that exact same thing. Were you? Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I just think it's incredible um, because if you think about, or maybe maybe people don't think about it, but it's like especially in maybe the world of prosthetics. I mean, it's the ability to. I mean, what what, what it's really saying is is you can feel in general. You could, like it's just you can feel like you have the sense of of touch in some way, shape or form. And so I just think it's incredibly interesting that, that they're able to, to do something like this and, and create and mimic that, uh, for who knows, you know, I feel like there's tons of applicable reasons to, to have something like this. Uh, I, I do wonder, cause it says it's a prototype, right? Like how, how far are we from, from being able to, to see this applicable, you know, in the real world, even if that's like, a if you, if you guys remember that robot from the Rocky movies, like in the eighties, that was absolutely ridiculous, but it was helping them around the house as almost like a Butler. Like, yeah. you know, if, if it had a sense of touch, it could pick things up and know where they are and sure. move them around. And so it's just, it's very interesting to me. Was that the robot yeah. that was in one of the Muppet movies? There was what? Was that the robot who was in like one of the last Muppet movies? Uh, probably. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just know that they're, they're releasing a, a new cut of the Rocky movies and they're not including the robot in it. So I think they took a little bit of flack. Uh, you sure you're not talking it. about Rosie the robot from the Jetsons? Uh, I am not, but it's the same same appliance, I think. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Soon. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is pretty interesting, right? It allows, uh, it allows, let's see, artificial skin reacts instantly when pressure, heat, or cold reach a painful threshold. Right, so it's critical to the to a big step forward in the future development of the sophisticated feedback system that we need to deliver truly smart prosthetics and intelligent robotics. That's wild. Yeah, yeah I'm mostly like interested in the prosthetics. Yeah, me, me too. I, I like to see that because I think it's in it's enhancing um, someone's life yeah. that that obviously yeah, for you sure. know, have well lost some function but what's neat about this especially is that uh, like pressure heat things like that these are these are things that we have we with all our limbs uh have that feedback which gets us away from that dangerous source really fast and prosthetics are not inexpensive so not having that feedback i i would not i would be actually really interested to know how often uh prosthetic um, hands especially, but I imagine legs, feet as well, um, are damaged or destroyed inadvertently because of a lack of that feedback, right? Right. Um, I, my guess is that it happens quite a bit. And uh, that's really unfortunate, you know, for the folks that, that are paying for it and, and or paying for insurance for it, right? Because uh, I, I know there are a lot of 
a lot of stories that I've read that just talk about, you think about especially children that require uh, prosthetics young, um, as they grow, the number of times they have to change them to fit their body as they grow is extraordinary. And they will hit like lifetime limits on insurability for their prosthesis early in their life. So stuff like that's actually probably huge in that community. Yeah. Never mind that it's also just more natural, right? When I'm wondering how it's going to feed that data to your brain, right? Will it come across as some, like, how, do, how does it, is it just a notification of, hey, there's immense pressure on this hand, right? Or do you feel the pressure? You well, I would I mean? imagine initially it, it could just be automated, right? Like sure. feels heat reacts for you kind of stuff. Um, oh, I don't know but, about that. Maybe. But, but down the well, I'm saying it's possible. I'm not saying yeah, that yeah. That's, that's what's happening because I, I think that depends a lot on the prosthesis as well. If you don't do the mechanical motion, you know, you're, you're kind of the power source in a lot of those cases, then maybe it's not even possible. But uh, it could just give you some kind of impulse that implies like there's an issue, right? And then you just sort of learn that that impulse means get away. But uh, I, I think this is where stuff like Neuralink end up being phenomenal sort of pairings with this kind of technology is that if it can read and write in sort of the brain wave, I don't know, orchestra, then then you might actually be able to start to create the sensation. And that would be incredibly natural by comparison. So yeah. that's, I think it's really exciting to see this kind of technology dovetailing. Yeah, it'd be helpful to be able to turn it off as well. Right. <laughs> exactly. You have a superhuman ability to <laughs> to grab hot things or stuff, you know, whatever. <laughs> what, what's cool too is if you if you dig into this a little bit more, when they talk about how they're making it, um, stretchable electronics, and we're seeing some of this in the way that they're producing TVs. I saw this TV that just you know bends or folds, and it's crazy. It's like a sixty inch TV that just kind of like folds up like paper. It's so weird. Uh, but stretchable electronics combining oxide materials with biocompatible silicon to deliver transparent, unbreakable, and wearable electronics as thin as a sticker. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That, that the, is the picture, crazy. It, just, it looks like, you know those temporary tattoos you get uh, at uh, Halloween? You yeah. Know? Or something like that, or like a birthday party or something? <laughs> like every day. <laughs> every day. I'm wearing Halloween. four right get now. Yeah. So, so the moral of the story <laughs> there is good. don't a folding phone right now. Wait a few more years. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. What your phone will be able to like, you know, the little like the the wrist slap thing. I mean, it'll be like wider, but you just like wear it on your arm or something. I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> People are just slapping their wrists with their phones in the future, and it's just it's wrapping around fifteen hundred. It. Yeah. It'll be the return of the flip phone. <laughs> and uh, the other piece of it too, the temperature reactive coating. Right. Cool. So self-modifying coatings a thousand times thinner than a human hair based on a material that transforms in response to heat. A thousand times thinner than what, a human how hair. does it transform? What's it doing? I, I don't know. It just says it's a self-modifying coating. This was this is one of the 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 inventions, right? The new research breakthroughs that went went cool. into this. I wonder if that's also there. going to lend itself to things like smart paints and smart surfaces right because that's Ooh, that's one of those yeah. like we never touch on this anymore because i feel like it got really exciting um you know we touched on some of my excitement about nanomaterials in general right because they were talking about you know graphene the capability of doing this but think like self-healing paint these are the kind of technologies yeah. to play into things like that so you you paint your house yes it costs more up front but you could change the color in some cases is is sort of the future all i've, I've never of even considered and, that as a thing and and that if you're awesome. if, if you scratch well, the wall, then it, it scares it me. Itself. Like that stuff is so, Rose, so cool to me. When Kate gets older and maybe gets a sibling and then starts throwing her sibling against the wall or hitting wow. it with a hammer or something, that's when you'll start thinking about those things. <laughs> <laughs> so Slash the out of curiosity, the, the scratches that are on the wall it. of my current house from her, they, they don't apply. Nope. She scratches oh, okay. All right. So she's already, no. she's already doesn't, doing that. All right. She gets doesn't, her toys and count. she just Apparently runs she has to throw a sibling into the wall. <laughs> yeah, she has to get a sibling and throw <laughs> them into a wall. I have four <laughs> siblings. I don't think I ever threw any of them into the wall. But okay, maybe my <laughs> something's going on different. in the Bewley household yeah. here. <laughs> my girls are built different. So <laughs> five second story here. <laughs> on Sunday, uh, my second daughter, Reagan, she walked in and I was watching an MMA match. And she's like, Dad, what is this? And I started telling her what it was. She's like, that's incredible. Wait, you're allowed, like you can do that and make money. <laughs> so I think a future MMA star was just born. 
That's hilarious. Awesome. Well, the other yeah. the other three girls better watch out. Yeah, exactly. All right, what else do we got here? Uh, did Anything you guys else? see the crazy uh, Amazon drivers are hanging smartphones in trees yes. to get more work? <laughs> what? I saw yes. that and I was like, "What the? No. What, did, what did it say?" Okay, so I think, I, and, and I don't know if maybe we're, none of us are just familiar with the way Amazon deliveries work. I know I clearly wasn't. Um, well, I figured it was like an Uber thing, right? Like it is. It is like an Uber thing. You're exactly okay. right. Cool. So what they're doing is is they're taking several devices and they're they're putting them and hanging them in trees close to stations where deliveries originate. So think oh, Whole Foods awesome. or Amazon warehouses, and then they basically link their phone to those yeah. phones in order to make Love it look it. like they are closer in proximity to these places so that they get a higher likelihood of getting these orders. And, and a lot of this is sort of originating from the idea of, you know, no one's using Uber or Lyft right now because of the pandemic. The economy has mm-hmm. been sort of ravaged and a lot of people are out of work. And so there's more people that are vying for these opportunities to do the deliveries. And they're just trying to do everything they can to get an edge on a, on a $15 delivery or something, which I think this article is kind of pointing out is that's maybe one of the higher end ones. So it's interesting to see that they've <clears throat> taken to very creative means to, to make this happen. And it's primarily happening in Chicago right now, where it's maybe a little bit more densely populated and there's a lot more drivers there. But they're describing uh, Whole Foods parking lots as kind of looking like uh, this article labels it kind of like Home Depot, where a lot of people may kind of congregate to go get work to work on construction yeah. projects. People are congregating yeah, at Whole Foods in order to get <sighs> delivery work. And and this is the way it's that nuts. they're actually getting an edge. I, I just, it's incredible. I just saw this man. article with a whole bunch that of hanging really phones is. from a tree. So and that's what it was. There's wow. the classic proverb, necessity is the mother of invention. And this is where we're at right now. Yep, hanging absolutely. phones so trees cool. outside of delivery centers. I would have never thought of this. So, you know, kudos to to the people who did out of necessity. Yeah, that that's that's really, really neat. Um, and I'm I'm curious too if the folks that are doing that are getting enough of a boon from it that they would or would not sort of push back against the employee versus contractor arguments here because I, th- I think it's exactly like Uber and Lyft and what they're going through in a lot of uh, municipalities, if not states and, and you know, governments as well, uh, looking at, at national coverage. But um, if they were employed, then they wouldn't have to worry about when and where at all. So it, but is it worth it? Is it worth having a second phone hanging from a tree and kind of working around the system to maximize that? And are they actually making more money than they would if they were employed by Amazon and just expected to deliver crazy packages at at a ridiculous click, which is, there's probably a fun study to be done there too. The folks that are hanging their phones in the trees, clearly they are trying to increase productivity as much as humanly possible, right? Yep. But if Absolutely. they were employed full-time by Amazon, I can almost guarantee they would not be doing the same things from a productivity perspective. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a motivator. And that that whole thing you just brought up with the whole contractor thing is kind of the topic du jour right now for mm. uh, for those in that industry, in particular Uber and Lyft, who, you know, they had that law come down on them in California and they immediately ceased operations in California. They, Which is good they, for no one. They just immediately stopped it because they they're like if we if we have to comply with this I think at the time they had like two days then they're like we our company will just go under yeah you can't make and, money and and that's that that's the thing is it what what will be interesting to see is how this all plays out in the long run and if it is genuinely unaffordable for Uber to have these people as employees and whether or not that's right, because there's an argument there to say, well, if you can't afford to have them as employees and they should be in the legal construct, then you don't have a viable business model. That's one option, right? Another one is, are they just playing a game and saying, we know this will sort of hurt the consumer enough to get clamor up, up to a level where, you know, government reacts differently. And there really isn't a problem and they could continue to make a profit even with those people on the the books as full-time employees, or they have to change their model so that the folks that are acting as contractors are more appropriately flexible to the extent a a normal contractor is. Because I think that's part of the argument here too, is that Uber's trying to get both sides of the coin. On one side, they want them as contractors so they don't have the, you know, 
them literally on the books as an employee. They don't have to or provide benefits as an example, right? But then on the other side of the coin, they have a rating system and they are uh, sort of picking and choosing who gets the most work and under what conditions they get that work and background check and, and stuff like that. And I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm just saying the lack of flexibility makes them less like a traditional contractor. I so, think there's a deeper story here that kind of goes to whether or not, you know, the, the gig economy, using air quotes here, uh, is something that is... Sustainable, mass sustainable, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think that that's ultimately what we're learning is is that it cannot support an economy holistically, uh, be, because of the way people are treated and and the just the way the business works in general. There's just a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, I will say that it's clear that there was a at least some concern from the loss of Uber or Lyft because within a 48 hour period. A judge granted them, I don't know what it is, a stay or, or whatever it is, some form of relief to where they could res- resume uh, operations in California while they go through, I'm assuming, the appeals process. So, But that was kind of the biggest thing to me was, you know, this, this whole idea of supporting so many workers as a full-time employment through the gig economy clearly isn't going to work. If something like this happens, and that was that was kind of the argument that that Uber and Lyft had was this was never meant to be people's full time employment. It was right. meant to be something that people just sort of did on the side, and then because sure. so many other people started taking up this idea of providing some form of gig like work, that it started becoming people were maybe losing their jobs to to the gig economy, and then they weren't mm-hmm. being able to be supported by the gig economy, and now we have this issue. Yeah, and that's that's what I, I'm I seeing come both. out of this. Go ahead, Brendan. I was just going to say, I, th- I think it's part of a cha- another societal change, really, because it, you know the the this ability for somebody to work for one of these companies, call their own hours. You know, it lets them you know get up, take their kids to school or daycare or whatever, and then work for a couple hours, do some other things. I mean, that was the initial idea, I think, but but it's kind of flipped a little bit. Where yeah, now it's become people have seen what they can possibly make in certain you know time frames. So now it's become this thing of, wow, I'm just going to maximize this and try to make as much as possible. I, I took a, an Uber drive with a guy in Vegas at VMworld a few years ago, a couple of years ago. And he's like, yeah, I, make, I made $50,000 doing this last year. And, yeah, you know, Sorry. so it's, it's one of these things like, yeah, if people are going to do it, they're going to do it. And they, if they have the ability to. So let me, let me be the other side of the coin here. That in itself proves that it's valuable enough to these individuals, right? I, I don't disagree with not that. requiring these people to be full-time employees. Right. But the individuals no. are the ones who are pressing for these. Like there's, there's a whole group of these people yeah. who are dedicated Uber are drivers thought, who are pushing for this. I thought it was the this. state government. I mean, I, I'm sure they're yeah, part of it, but I mean, there was, there was actually, there's a guy who was highlighted yeah. in an article a few, a few weeks or maybe a couple months back who is a full-time Uber, Uber Lyft driver who goes around the country and basically protests with other drivers around about their rights and, and different things as employees. Sure. So there's definitely, there's, I don't know, I don't know if they're a majority, but there's definitely sure. a, a certain subset of people who are Uber drivers who are definitely pushing for um, this, well, <clears throat> this change. And, yeah. and I, I brought this up before, but, you know, Britain, I obviously wasn't in the car with you, didn't have that conversation, but did that Uber driver say that that was gross or net? Do you recall? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember, but yeah. I mean, it was, and yeah, I, I mean, I think, most likely it was gross probably. So, so let's, let's do some quick math on a 50,000 gross income, right? So you're going to take out some for taxes. You're going to be able to offset some of that with expenses potentially, right? It depends on where the tipping point is compared to a standard deduction. With no benefits, that means no health coverage. That means no sick days. That means no, no, you know, 401k as an example, no retirement funding. And if you're making $50,000 a year riding or, or providing rides for Uber, you're probably putting 80 to 100,000 miles on your vehicle. So let's assume it's one of the most reliable vehicles. You're going to get three years out of that car. Uh, those vehicles are probably $20,000 investments. And that doesn't include standard maintenance, the number of tire replacements that go into it. And you're creeping pretty fast down into like 
maybe $25,000, net if you're super lucky and everything works out in your, your favor and you don't have medical expenses that, that are not covered by a company. Yeah, I'll buy Is that, that a livable wage? Yeah, I'll, I'll, you, did the, you did the right math on that, just following through what, you know. What you're saying there, it's a strong and, point. And so that's, and, that, and I think that's what the issue is. Well, it's not. Yeah, you're right. But but the other. Piece I'm not going to pretend and, I know what the answer is. No, I'm no, just no. Saying it, I think there's interesting facts on both sides. No, right? well, and, and I'm not even saying there is a right answer with regard to should they be employees or shouldn't they be employees. I believe that Uber has the right to set it up that way, and that they're the people working for them in the gig economy have the right to decide whether or not the equation works out in their favor. That said. There are rules about what a company that hires a contractor can and cannot require of that employee. And I think that's where Uber and Lyft and probably Amazon are double dipping. You're a contractor, sure. but I'm going to have a say in how and when and, and under what conditions your work is going to be done. And, and yeah, it's not just you're hired or you're not. Yeah. It's here's the litany of rules and the structure of our business, which pushes against a traditional sort of 1099 contractor. Well, you, you don't get to have it both ways. If you're going to have yeah, them yeah, as yeah. contractors, it's got to be the letter of the law. And if you're going to push people into a bucket that makes them look more like employees, unfortunately for you with the company that has this gig that you can't afford to do that, you can't have it both ways. So fix your system so that they work as actual contractors to the letter of the law or hire them as employees and deal with what that means from a fallout on a revenue. Does anyone know what the percentage split is? Like if there's a $10 ride, like how many, what percentage the driver gets? Maybe that's where the, yeah. boy, the most of this issue comes up. Cause I'm, I'm just trying sure. to Google and find an article yeah, I read weeks ago. It depends on the, the type of ride as well, right? Yeah, so the nicer the does. ride, the higher percent you get. Okay. Uh, and, and it's somewhere just in, you know, every time I get in one of these, it's probably why I don't have a perfect five star rating because I just bug the driver with questions. I, <laughs> I do the same thing. Four point nine three stars or whatever. Uh, but awesome. it's somewhere between seventy and eighty um, percent of the that fare the driver gets. Yeah. Well, that's what it okay. was. You know, years ago, whenever there wasn't COVID and I was writing. It, it's interesting because I, I'm the, the, when I'm Googling this, the first thing I saw was a protest that was going on that um, drivers make pennies while uh, investors make millions. And that was, there was a lot of protests around that. Sure. So I was wondering if it was like a driver was getting 20 cents on the dollar, you know, of no, a it's ride. Significant more. It's, it's no, more no, no. That. Yeah. It's more than that. It's significant. And, and well, I've and gotten that, similar feedback too. And, and I actually think that's part of the reason that Uber and Lyft are getting in trouble here too, is that like you said, it's the niceness of the ride, Aaron, right? So you're a contractor, but you're bringing your own gear. And I have a say in how much you get paid based on that gear. Maybe that's fine. I don't know. I'm definitely not like an employment legal expert by any means, sure. but then you tie in stuff like ratings and whether or not you've gotten a bunch of badges from riders that says your car was nice and clean and that affects how you get work and how much pay you get. I don't know if it's the system that's tipping them into the this is unacceptable for contractor space or if there's something else that's doing it. But I, I do think that's the legal crux of this argument. Yeah. I'm curious. Has well, anyone you, ever uh, canceled an Uber ride based on the driver's rating? Any one of us? On the no. rating? I never, no. I never have. No. No. I've, I've always accepted whatever the first person was that got. I've never changed it. I've never done anything. I just no. The only time I canceled it is it. who I go with. Yeah, the only time I've canceled it was when it looks like on the GPS that the person is not moving. Like yeah. they accepted the 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 fare mm -hmm. and they're just sitting there in like yeah, a you know, Whataburger parking lot, and and I wait five minutes and their car does not move. So I'm right. like, okay, fine, okay, sure. I I've been canceled like 50 times. Yeah. I think I've canceled two. And man, yeah, that is not fun. Right after. They're like, not that guy. Yeah. <laughs> they know who you are. Yeah. So Come let on. Let me tie it back to the Amazon uh, thing. <laughs> so at the end of this Bloomberg article where they talked about, and so the, the app for the, the delivery drivers is called Amazon Flex, right? So I think mm -hmm. that's probably a nod to that gig economy thing and the flexibility to do this and not whatever. Anyway, uh, a Flex driver... Uh, who has been monitoring the activity, said the company needs to take steps to make sure all drivers are treated fairly. And then he's quoted as saying, Amazon knows about it, but does nothing. So that's the question back out to y'all. If the drivers are cheating the system by putting phones outside, is it Amazon's responsibility to go out there and take phones down? Or like, I mean, if they're getting games... Why does Amazon care? Does, 
that's my that's my point. Packages where, where delivered. Where do you draw that line? Yeah, where do you draw that line? Yeah, I think it one once driver. again kind of comes down to the the different perspectives between the two parties. Amazon views yeah. this as a part time thing that you that you opt in to do, and drivers right now, probably out of necessity, are viewing it as their only source of income, and they're doing whatever they can to to get this, and and they they would like it to be more fair. So I think it's just once again comes down to the individual perspective between the two parties. Yeah, and I think it, there's merit. You know, yeah. to both sides. I do too, and and I'm curious as well. Maybe I, 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 it might it might be fun. It would certainly be fun to have somebody come on that actually is intimately knowledgeable about this and about the legal battle that's actually happening. Like, what are the real arguments for and against this, right? Because there's a lot of speculation on my part for sure. I assume with you guys too, about what it is that Uber's actually arguing from a legal perspective. It, I think we all understand they don't want them to be categorized as employees, but on what grounds are they saying that they shouldn't or as, as a vice versa, what are the drivers saying should force them to be employees, right? Because um, obviously you can have part-time employees and there are some places that are part-time employees that don't get benefits, right? Like th- there's, there's a lot of questions about how this is structured and why, why they're pushing back. Is it just, if you hang your phone in a tree for Amazon and you end up working 50 hours, that because you worked 50 hours for Amazon, you have you know outstripped what you do as a, a potential contractor? I doubt it, at least not in every state, right? So it'd be really cool to understand that a little bit more intimately. Hint, hint, listeners. <laughs> All right, guys, that was fun. I got to run. I think everybody's buttoned up against nine o'clock, to, nine o'clock here. That brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We had a blast. Uh, Britton, any final thoughts? No, thanks, guys. This is a lot of fun. Um, again, yeah, check me out on the GigaCast podcast. It should be in all of your favorite podcast apps. And Absolutely. if you're interested in workload migration, we go really deep in the HDX Majors podcast. So check that out, too. Get Very on cool. it. Listeners. Yep. Thank you, thank you, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for being you. Go subscribe. Give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. We love you guys. Peace.